Welcome everybody to another episode of How Real Estate Changed My Life. As we've been doing these episodes, I've been picking buddies of mine that I absolutely know that real estate has made a huge impact in their lives, you know, obviously positively. But um, today is Jimmy Edwards. This is a gentleman that is different than all the other guys we've talked to, but he has a great story. The thing is, is everybody progresses different down their real estate investing career. Some people just buy a house, keep it, hold it. That's great. That's what you're wanting. But what I found is everybody that I know that's done a deal seems to want to do another deal. And then they want to do another deal. And then their life progresses in a different route. Everybody's different. And Jimmy, I think, has a really good story about where he's gone because he, he's taken it to a different level. I think he just has a great story. So, uh, Jimmy, again, thank you for coming on and um, tell us about you first. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, I live in uh, DFW. I'm a Texan. Grew up in Austin. Went to Texas Tech University. Through several different paths there, ended up with a degree in, in finance with an emphasis in real estate. Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, last semester of, of college and blew my Same mind. Here. Same here. Same last semester. Changed my trajectory. Yep. Been in uh, Dallas since like 2009. I lived in Houston for a couple years. I, I started there selling high-rise condos in 2006, 2007. Market changed. Uh, ended up moving up to Dallas. Uh, got into loans as the market was crashing because interest rates were dropping and they were trying to save the economy. And, you know, it was just turning 30, 40 refinances a month and uh, eventually, you know, built a team doing that. And then in 2012, a longer story I can tell you, but I, I changed and, and started flipping houses, flipped houses, you know, a couple years and then moved my money into apartment buildings. And and now we, you know, buy apartment buildings, renovate them, you know, increase revenue and and keep them or sell them or refinance them. I remember you telling me about how you went to one, one conference and listened to the yep. guy and like, hey, I'm going all in. But yeah. So l- let's start with like how you ended up. Tell us about your first deal and how that happened and what that did for you. So the very first deal I bought is actually the house I still live in, my very first house. And I, I live in this house. 2011, I was a mortgage broker and I was doing a lot of volume and I had a lot of extra income. Um, and I knew, you know, I knew that when I got into real estate, you know, I was like, I, you know, I, I kind of, I come from lower middle class. I mean, we didn't struggle, but you know, I, I feel like I was a little more blue collar, um, compared to my surroundings, you know, get a job, go to school, save your money. Right. Mm-hmm. But both of my parents were, I just felt like they were unhappy a lot of the time, uh, or maybe that was me internalizing, you know, I wanted something different because I saw, you know, a lot of my friends, their parents owned small businesses, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't, you know, multimillionaires, but they owned small businesses. So I'm like, Hey man, you know, the way to, the way to get wealthy is to, is, is to do real estate. I was in finance doing, doing mortgages, saving up my money. I was putting some money into Apple and, uh, 2011, I was kind of like, man, like seems like a good place a good time to start buying real estate, you know, kind of at the bottom, things that started kind of turning around a little bit. So I was looking for a house, you know, in the vicinity of where I worked, right? That made sense. Um, I'd rather be at the office making money than commuting. And I found a house on a little lake, glorified retention pond Mm -hmm. um, for like $165,000. And it was a foreclosure sitting on the market or foreclosures everywhere. I mean, you were bidding the bank down, right? It, it was it was super buyer's market. Got an FHA loan. So I've got $30,000 in rehab. I think it was a two or three K loan. So I had $165,000 house, added 30,000, 35,000 onto the loan, got a loan for like 195,000. And I put down like 
6K, 7K. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I did the renovation within 12 months, it appraised at 240,000. So I refined financed out of the FHA loan, got rid of the MIP um, and now had a conventional loan at a lower rate at three and a half percent. I was like, damn, that's pretty cool. Uh, this makes sense. And uh, so moved in here, you know, I was going to do the thing where, you know, you live in it for a couple years and then you sell it and then you go to another house and then you go yeah, keep rolling. And, um, but I kind of found like this gym, uh, you know, I worked from home and I've got this little lake back here. I started buying more houses and buying more houses. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't think I want to move into this one. Flip it. I don't think I want to move into this one. Keep it as a rental. And so just started doing that. And now I've got, I still have the same loan, uh, but I have a giant home equity line of credit that mm -hmm. I was using for numerous years to fund other projects. I mean, it was at like 3% when it went up to, you know, seven or eight last year, I paid it off and, you know, now I'm sitting on some cash, but just really realized how to leverage debt you yeah. know, into, you know, your advantage. Right. And so that was really what got me interested. And, and it's kind of funny because when I was doing loans, the company I worked for was a marketing machine, right? So you would go to the internet and I, the second part of my loan officer uh, career, I was doing mostly VA loans. And so they'd optimized SEO to where the first 10 hyperlinks all looked like different companies, but all fed into the same machine. That's awesome. Yeah. And so like we pretty much, you know, what capitalized, monopolized VA loans. Um, and what I found was that, you know, I was really good and I would get buyers, but then they'd go out to the market and, and realtors would end up switching their lenders or whatever. And so I found realtors that I liked working with in certain markets and then started feeding them leads because they would, you yeah, know, they take care of you. They look that, after you. Take care of it. Right. So we've developed these relationships. And uh one of the uh realtors that I worked with in DFW, uh broker, and I ended up hanging my license there. Um, I got licensed in 2006 and, and I still am. Don't don't really use it. But he 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 was in the flipping house business, right? And so he helped me buy my first house and Kind of mentored me through the numbers and all of those things. So, like, you know, it, it, again, like everything comes back to relationships, right? Like through your journey, you, you meet people and you help each other out. Mm -hmm. and, and so that was really what what got me started. And, you know, I, I, for every four or five houses I would flip, I'd keep one as a rental and was kind of building the machine. And, and my goal was to get to, to 40 houses by the time I was 40, right? I did the math backed into like, hey, man, I can be 40 years old, not have to work very hard and uh life would be good right be 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 pretty easy mm -hmm. but then you know as you as you grow you start to readjust your goals and yeah. you know your ambitions get higher and and whatnot so that was kind of how i started you're not doing that now right now are you you're doing something different how did that change what what was the light bulb or the you know the the instigator in kind of changing your model so there's been two there's been two very strong pivot points, right? And and one of the, the first one was when I was doing mortgages uh, in 2012, they closed down my branch and I was top producer. I had a team. I mean, we were churning through deals, good deals, you know, 100% financing for veterans. I mean, it was awesome. Closed down the branch through no fault of my own. I got let go. A couple months before that, you know, I'd been putting a lot of money into, into Apple. I had doubled my money, probably should have sold. Steve Jobs died. It freaking dropped 50%. And so, you know, the stock market hurt me. I got fired from a job I was really good at for no fault of my own. And I said, Hey man, I, I got to take, take control of my life. And that's when I went into flipping houses full time. Right. So probably flipped a hundred houses throughout like five years, like 2013 to 2017. That's a and lot of houses in a short period of time. Yeah. We were turning them. You're and beast mode. Yeah. 
It was a period of my life when, you know, I, I was, you know, I was younger and I enjoyed working 24 seven and I had goals to meet and, you know, it was fun and it was, you know, it, it, it was, it was what I wanted. And as we grew that business, every year you, you look at your numbers and, and you pull back and, and you say, Hey, what's next? Right? Like, do we do more homes? Do we do less homes with more margin? Do we start doing new construction? Do we do more higher value stuff? Like, what do we do? And so I think in 2016, we realized, hey, let's do the ones with bigger margin. Because scaling a single family flip business for me was difficult because the comp, you know, what, what was the hardest to control was your rehab crews, right? Mm-hmm. That became the biggest headache, right? So it was like, yeah, okay, let's- a bottleneck. Let's- I can see that. Yeah, a bottleneck. So it's like, okay, in order to make more money, let's do less volume but higher margins. So we did that, and then the next year, I was like, okay, how do we how do we tweak this? And this was like 2017, and I had kind of felt like maybe we were at the the height of the market. And so it's like, okay, do we get into doing new construction? Like we can make a lot of money if we build three million dollar homes, right? And, and and but around that time, we did a flip in a neighborhood that like eight flips, eight rehabs came on the market in this little pocket the same weekend, and it was just like it was almost a competition to see who could lose the most money. It was mm-hmm. it was super annoying. We lost a little bit of money on that deal. I mean, maybe it was like 10, 20 grand. And about the same time, you know, we're looking at how do we progress? New construction didn't feel that attractive because again, if your house is sitting on the market, you, you're paying the expenses. And then I learned about apartments and it is essentially you know, one big flip, but mm-hmm. if you can control occupancy, then your renters are paying your expenses while you're improving the product, right? And so like my mind exploded. I said, hey, like this is what I want to do. And also to that point, like if the market shifts, I feel like again, like flipping houses becomes more risky if you feel like the market is potentially at the top and going to crash, right? Because mm-hmm. then you're sitting there, maybe you got to find a renter, maybe the, you know, and, and we would always run the numbers to make sure that like, hey, if we can't flip this, the numbers still need to, to pencil for a renter, right? Mm-hmm. But I, uh, that was kind of the pivot point, right? And so I began selling rentals. We bought a small 16 unit deal and then a hundred unit deal and then another hundred unit deal and just kind of cycled and repeat. And what I really like about commercial real estate and apartments in general is that like with the house, I'm valued by what the comps are, right? So like, let's say you have a $300,000 house and you Airbnb it for 15 grand a month, that doesn't make it worth $900,000. It still makes it worth 350. Because it's a business and they don't finance businesses, they finance a house. Exactly. And so apartments, right, is, is, is a business. And so essentially, you know, you increase revenue, decrease expenses, you have your profit and and that's what makes the business worth more money. So we're basically forcing appreciation. All right. Cause you're, you're rehabbing an entire complex, not yep. one house to be clear for right. everybody. So you're, you're basically a turnaround guy. You're coming in, yep. making a bad business and making it a good one. 100%. Yep. Yep. So yep. tell us about yep. that first apartment complex. That was in Lubbock, wasn't it? First deal we had was in, and so these are two really good deals. First one we had was in Grand Prairie. It was a 16 unit deal, 20 year owner. Police department was, you know, the police department was looking to condemn it. That's how bad it was. (laughs) I had SWAT team out at some properties this week. Yep. Yep. I mean, you know how it is, right? And, and, you know, we rents were 500 when we bought it. Nobody had leases, probably didn't have any background checks. Everybody was paying cash because it was such a turd that the only people that would live there were people that couldn't go anywhere else. And, you know, there was, there were shootings and break-ins. And like, I think even one of the tenants chased our our manager down with a baseball. I mean, it was awful, but 
we emptied it out and encouraged everyone to, to move along and rehab the deal. And then ended up, you know, I think rents were $1,200 a unit and big change to the police police station. And, and they were super, I mean, it was like a magnet for crime within this one zip code. And it was across from a, a park where kids didn't play at. I mean, we were doing our inspection and, you know, it was 10 a.m. and people were already hammered. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was awful. And, and when we finished, we went back and there were like kids playing soccer in the park. And it was that like, makes you feel good. I'm sure it was. It was super You're doing cool. a community like, service too, and making yep, money. Yep, it's a it's a feel good business, and so that was a good deal. We the, the second one we did was, was was a bigger undertaking. It it was in Lubbock, Texas, which where I went to college, and it was a hundred unit building. Um, it was about fifty percent occupied, and so it, it interested us, right? I mean, I was still in that flip mindset of finding distress, physical distress, in order to to make profit, right? And so. We went up there, we got that deal under contract. We did our inspection and found out that the units were in a lot worse shape than what we had anticipated. Uh, we had to renegotiate the price on that. And we ended up getting that one down to somewhere in the 30% occupancy range. Cause we just had again, like a lot of bad seeds, mm -hmm. increase that, got it up to 90%. And you know, we doubled our money and our investors money. And uh, so that was a, it was a, it was a fun deal, you mm -hmm. know, learned a lot, you know, now as I get deeper into the business, you know, I realized that with flipping businesses and, you know, improving apartment complexes, you know, it doesn't always have to be physical distress. It can be, you know, the value add can be in the numbers, right? In the management, you know, and, and there's a lot of, I, I'm, I'm a top line guy, right? Like I, I know that driving revenue is always going to win for the most part, right? And so we find a lot of these deals where, you know, it's a mom and pop owner and, and they think the best way to make profit is is to get really light on expenses, right? So they find the cheapest manager they can find, which is the worst thing to do in my opinion, sure, uh, because revenue ends up coming down because they're not a very good manager, right? And so, you know, you see these opportunities and you're like, hey, I've got a better manager. I'm going to pay them more. They can increase revenue. They can find all these other, you know, low hanging fruit like reserve parking and, you know, what? Whatever. There's we'll do so much money being left so on the much. table with yep. so many investors, even single family homes, all yep. the multifamily. I'm just shocked yep. at how much money is left on the table. And I'm guilty of that too. I, my, the very first rental that I bought, I still own and it's I sold almost all of my all of my single family houses. I have an Airbnb that is kind of a convenience thing for me. <laughs> Uh, in the Texas Hill Country, and then I have my very first rental. And I know, you know, that this guy, he's several hundred dollars under market, but he's been there for 10 years. You know, there's some things that he's done maintenance wise. And I'm like, man, I'm probably leaving money on the table on that. But you know what? I'm, let me focus on this. You have bigger things. You have bigger yep. things. Yep. Yep. So I'm guilty of it. You mentioned investors. So, you know, we, we talk all the time about how to buy a single family home, but you, you, it's different when you're buying a multifamily apartment complex because you're not saying, hey, I'm bringing all the money to the table and I'm going to bank ABC and they're going to write me a check for 80%. Like, right. What's the difference between going from single family to multifamily? Because I mean, that had to have been a learning experience. It was. It was kind of similar for me when I was doing single family flips. I was good at finding deals, but I was also good at running out of money, right? And uh, so I would find a deal, and and I I wasn't really a big wholesaler. You know, I like to do the flips, and so I had a lot of friends that were like, "Hey, man, how how can I partner with you?" And I'm like, "You can, you know, put." 20 grand down on this $150,000 house and I'll split the profit with you. And so I was doing a lot of flips and subsequently, you know, I when I went into multifamily, I realized that that was kind of how the game was played too, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, again, you you'd find a deal, the lender's going to give you 75, 80% 
lower in today's market, you know, and you got you need a couple million bucks to do it, right? So I'd already started kind of building a database of people who were interested and trusted me and, and were confident in our ability. And so we kind of did the same thing, right? I mean, we, we'd find a deal, we'd prepare a package and put the numbers together, and then we'd, we'd send it out to, you know, a database of people that, you know, we have relationships with who are interested in getting involved in, in real estate with us. So, you know, there's SEC guidelines you got to follow. Oh, and you know, it's, it's not for everybody, but it, it kind of followed the same path. Right. And, you know, we, we still put money into the deal, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm not putting in three or $4 million of myself. You know, I, I would like to do more deals and share the wealth and, and make other people, you know, returns too. So it's pretty similar. So, you know, we get the whole reason of the podcast is how did real estate change my life? So what it sum it up for somebody that you just like, Hey, I don't know if I want to buy real estate or not. How has it changed your life? Like is your life different now than it was previously? Yes. I feel like I'm in control mm-hmm. of whatever I want to do. You know, if I want to turn on the faucet, I can, I can ramp up, check out, I can go on vacation. You know, it's been 10 years since I've had a job. I'm, I'm probably unemployable at this point. You know, like people talk about PTO and like, I don't even know, I don't know what that is. Right. Like I just, if I'm going to take a schedule vacation. Outside schedule of your vacation. world. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, and that's that's really going back to like what I felt like as a kid and, you know, growing up, I, I just I, I wanted to be free, you know, financially free, financially free. I mean, it's money's not everything. Right. But it gives you options. Mm-hmm. And when you have options, that's freedom to me. Right. So, you know, time is and then, you know, I mean, that, that, that's that's one of the resources that we can't get back. Right. So the more you can, the, the more time you have, the better your life is. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that sounds like a pretty good answer. Like it, it, <laughs> it, it, you have control of your life and, and that's yeah. the big piece. And then yeah. time and effort, you, you know, you get to choose what you put into and where you put it into. And if you want to check out for 20 yep. days or 10 days or five yep. days, you can do that. I've seen you go on some good vacations and, yeah. go and have a good time. Yeah. So what would you tell somebody that's on the fence on, you know, buying their first investment, whether maybe it's buying a single family home or, and, and we, want, we may want to mention like, going in with a guy like you, like if they don't want to be the person buying the deal or they don't want to be the person, I don't want to say on the hook, but like really having to spend some effort, like they can yep. put money with a guy like you too. So for sure, you know, what advice do you have someone that's kind of on the fence on whether or not to do it and in what way? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have these conversations a lot and there's, you know, a lot of different types of appetites, right? I mean, you know, some people want to chase you know, where we are and get to the point where you're in full control. There's, there's also, you know, I I have a lot of friends who, you know, could never walk away from their job. It's too uncomfortable. They like the paycheck, but they do have extra money. And some of them do want to buy houses and, and, you know, accumulate one rental at a time because that's where they see value. And, and, you know, that's their retirement plan, right? Like paying it off and getting the cash flow of five houses, you know, that's 10 grand a month plus pension, right? But I've also had a couple of friends who've, who've done that and it was too much stress for them. Owning the house was too much stress for them. So I kind of told them what I did and and they sold that house and then put the money in with us. And then it's, you know, it's a hundred percent passive. So, I mean, there's no wrong way to do it. You just have to do it. Yeah. You just got to do it really. I mean, yeah. I, that's what it is. I mean, a buddy of mine, I'll never forget it, said to me one time, he was like, it's only money. You can always make more. Mm-hmm. Those words are more valuable than I think people think they are. Right. Because they think it's just a passive saying that somebody would have. Somebody, let's say W2 employee, yep. like that seems like a what you would think is a casual statement that's true is somebody that's like really hard to understand that, but it really yep. is true. Like, because yep. 
it is only money and and money yeah. is it's out there you just have to figure out how to create it and and most people understand creating it as trading times time for dollars and right. so they view that very diff money very very differently than you who can right. literally turn a spigot on and create money in a matter of 90 days and yeah. it'd be significant like yeah. Significant and like more than most people's W2s. Yep. By turning a spigot on by saying, hey, we're going to go, we're going to figure out the next deal. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go find some money. And it's only money. Yeah. You can make more. Like You can and, always make more. And let, let, okay. So let's put that in reality. Let's, let's say you have an apartment complex, a hundred units and, and you're looking at it and you wanted it to create an extra, I don't know, extra thousand, two thousand, five thousand, two thousand dollars a month. What would you do? What would you look at the apartment complex? And you said, hey, Jimmy wants a Lambo. What would you do at the apartment complex to make that happen? There's a lot of additional value add that you can do. And right now we're going through one where you could invest a little bit of money and build some carports mm -hmm. and, and charge for the carports. You know, you can go in and say, hey, I, I think our water bill is too high. Let's reinstall low flow toilets. Yeah. Save money on water. You know, hey, you know what? The lighting here kind of sucks, but let's add lighting. But when we go back and add lighting, let's do all LED. Mm -hmm. So not only is it going to be safer because it's brighter, lit up like a Christmas tree, but it's going to cost us less. And Big then, difference. You know, and tenants notice that too. Tenants notice it. So then now you can push rent 10 bucks because it feels okay. better. So 10 right? bucks times yep. 100 units. Yeah. So I mean, if you're, if you're pulling all these little levers, I mean, really... Kind of the big one for us is, you know, interiors are always changing, right? I mean, you know, the show's out there, it's it's always upgrades. And so the big, big way to, to capitalize is say, hey, you know what? Like this design finish out is, is outdated. So now we're going with a new package and then people get excited about that. The rent on that one's higher. And so you can always increase rent, rent that way. But I think like keeping people from going out the back door is the most important. And if people like living in a community, then they're willing to pay more, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, we really try to try to drive that. But I mean, you know, there's always these little levers that you can pull to increase to increase revenue without really increasing your expenses. Because again, if it costs us twenty thousand dollars to build carports, that doesn't go on the PL, right? I mean, that goes below the line mm -hmm. as a capital expense, but it you know, now we're charging, uh, we get an extra thousand dollars a month in revenue, which is worth that pays off know. less than two years. Yeah. Yeah. But on a, on a, on a cap rate multiplier, I mean, that's worth several hundred thousand dollars more in, in value. Right. Isn't that amazing so, how that works. Yeah. What's next for Jimmy? Man, we sold a lot of deals, 21, 22, had quite a few deals under contract to buy in 2022 and just got crushed by rising interest rates and had to walk away from a couple of deals and really just been managing our current portfolio. It's hard to get deals to kind of pencil right now. I, th I think mm -hmm. a lot of sellers um, are kind of waiting for for rates to come back down. I mean, you know, it's 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 tricky, but uh, there's still deals out there, you know, been kind of looking more towards the future of rebuilding the portfolio, you know, rebuilding the team and having the right people in the right seats that, you know, allows everyone to, to do their superpower. I mean, we kind of bootstrapped it, you know, the past 10 years. And so, you know, I want to scale again, but, you know, like, like every time we pull back the curtains and say, Hey, how are we going to do better this year is really just, you know, rebuilding. Cause I, you know, it's slow right now. We haven't hit the black hole that's yet to be seen. Yeah. But there's going to be another expansion. And when we go into another expansion, I want to have all the right people in the right seats so that we can just crush it again. And then, 
you know, probably in, on, a, on a five to seven year trajectory, start selling before top of the hill starts coming down and then reevaluate at that point. And, yeah. So, and so right now we're July of 2023. So that's kind of where yep. we're at. So if anybody's listening to this in the, in the future and they're looking yeah. back saying, Hey, Jimmy was prophetic. He was, he was a genius, but mm-hmm. uh, that, where we're sitting right now is we've got rates that are much higher than they were a year, two years, three years yep. ago, but not crazy historically when it comes to, like you said, on the apartment complexes being a business in the way they're financed, it makes it difficult to pay top dollar. So you got people sitting on these apartment complexes that maybe they want to sell it or need to sell it, but they don't want to drop the price to make it work for right. guys like you to purchase. Right so Now we're kind of like sitting back waiting to see what's going to give first, the seller or the buyer. And then yep. you know, we're just kind of waiting to see. I, yeah. I played golf with a guy a few weeks, or I guess it was a month or two ago, and they have a substantial, substantial multifamily portfolio. I, I mean, like substantial. He said, yeah, we, we refinanced everything we had three and a quarter. I want to say he had like 27 apartment complexes across multiple wow. and they're sitting on well into the eight figures. I don't, nice. I don't think it was 50 million, but it was a lot of cash. He's like, yeah, we're just sitting around and in 2024, we're going to go on a buying spree. Yep. And so I think they, I think they have a pretty good plan there. Cause I think, yep. you know, that's kind of when people are going to start feeling that pain point on the three-year yep. notes that are either coming due or, or things are going to start changing on the rates on those guys that have these temporary mortgages. Yep. You know, most of these guys were in a three-year variable rate loan and they probably had a rate cap. Their DSCR went down and they're trying to get to a point where it's, at a suitable level to refi. Um, and there's going to be some some people that they run out of time and they're going to have to sell their deal or, you know, I call it a, a cash in refi, right? I mean, you got to bring money yeah. to the table to refinance the deal. So we'll see. I mean, I think there's going to be some opportunity, you know, again, a lot of things can change within a year. I mean, we have an election year next year. Um, oh, that's going to be crazy. It doesn't matter who's running. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. You know, they just reinstituted student loan payments, which could be, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back and pushes us into 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 a black hole. I mean, I think usually after rate hikes, you don't see the pain for a while. So I mean, 2024 could could be crazy. And I think there's going to be opportunity. So so yeah. And that's something interesting is, is to somebody that's not in real estate, you know, they'll come to me and say, Hey, how are you doing? Like, I'm doing great. What are you talking yeah. about? I'm like, well, I saw the, you know, houses are moving slower. Rates are high. I'm like, my business is great. In yeah. a bad market, it's great. In a sideways market, it's great. In an up market, it's always yep. opportunity. And when housing gets rough, as far as like purchasing, rent rates go up. My yep. business does rock star. And you yeah. know, it's a recession resistant type of business, which is, you know, if you, if you play your cards right, yours is too. So yep. that's one thing I love about our industries. It doesn't matter what the market does. I mean, you have to adjust your business model, but you can Correct. get up, Correct. down, sideways, up, whatever. And I think that a lot of people who the difference is, is that we play the game based on more of a longer haul, right? And yeah. and there's a lot of people out there that play, they basically play hot potato, right? I mean, they buy a house based on the fact that the market is hot and it's going to appreciate, right? So they're buying a house uh, in 2017 and, the, and they plan to sell it in 2019 and make 30 grand. You know, that's a dangerous game. It's a very dangerous right? game. It's a gamble. And that's what everybody thinks we do. That's what they right. think we do. We're buying opportunities that a lot of times we see it as a discount, right? Because someone else fumbled. We know how to increase the value and, and play the game. But you know, a lot of I, I think a lot of people who stumble is you know they 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 buy at the top and they're like, oh man, you know, uh, real estate values are coming down. Like I see these headlines and I don't even pay attention to them. It's like you know, real estate prices and DFW are 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 falling, and it's like you know, it's falling by 
a tenth of a percent, but it's still positive growth. And they have to sell newspapers. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, you know, and 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 it's like, okay, like, you know, maybe your 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 three hundred thousand dollar house is is worth two ninety today. But I mean, uh, big deal, right? Yeah. If you bought it right, I mean you're gonna be you're gonna be okay. So yeah, you're doing it for the long term. Prior episode is Andrew Postel. I don't know if you yeah. I, I think you know him. He's he's yeah. a baller. Yeah. And uh he talks about his first real estate investments like losing, I want to say it was 75. It was a huge percent wow. of value because it was Florida townhome sure. condo, something like that, but he never lost money. Right. And you look at him you're like, well, you went down 50, 75% in value right after you bought it and you never lost money. He's like, no, because I didn't sell it. I just held right. it and it paid for itself and it made me money and it worked out. Yeah. So yeah, it's that long-term vision that people have to have to, to be a winner. Yep. But I really appreciate what you've you've shared with everybody here. And yeah. I think my, my, my takeaway is I want people to understand that, A, there's a lot of different ways to make money in real estate and B is, you know, it's passive or it's involved. And you, you actually do provide a way for somebody to just say, Hey, I've got 50 grand. I want to give it to a gentleman like Jimmy. You provide that for them. And then there's people that buy the house. So um, there's a lot of different ways to get into the business. I think you just need to get in it one way or the other. The the benefits just are enormous. And we could talk about that later, another episode. But I do appreciate you coming on. And um, yeah. what I'll do is I'll provide your contact information. Anybody reach out to me or yeah. in the bottom if anybody ever wants to visit with you. Because it seems like you're a pretty open guy on yeah how the business works and, you know, how that you might yeah, be our, our, opportunities. Our website has has you know our bios and experience and then all What's your website? Put it out there. It's it's high five multifamily.com spelled out H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E multifamily.com. It's got, you know, bios and past deals and then also contact us and, and get in touch and, yeah. and we'll have a conversation. And I and I've loved watching your journey too. So Thanks. It's, it's 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 fun to watch that because when you, you said I'm going all in, I knew you were gonna be successful. I knew yeah. it, it was just I wanted to watch it. I wanted to see how yeah. it all went through because so many people say they're going to do it and either they don't or they just misfire or something. And, and man, you executed it good. From yeah, thank answer. you. But yeah, well, you're a smart guy. I mean, you got a smart team. <laughs> appreciate so. that. Yeah, you are. Yeah. So anyway, I appreciate <laughs> it. And, and everybody, thank you for for listening to another episode. And uh, I really hope you all get a lot of value out of this. And feel free to reach out to Jimmy or I and we'd love to help you all out. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks.